One of the things the profession is facing is this isolation. If we really want the profession to be sustainable, we have to stop isolating the people we put into it and start working together and having more of a collaborative approach. That's Rob Weil, Director of Research Policy and Field Programs in the Educational Issues Department of the American Federation of Teachers. I'm excited to welcome Rob as our guest today on this very special bonus episode of the Next Education Workforce podcast. I'm your host, Brent Madden, Executive Director of the Next Education Workforce Initiative at Arizona State University's Mary Lou Fulton Teachers College. When I talk about team-based models or strategic school staffing, almost inevitably, the first question that I get is, well, you know, this all seems well and good in Arizona in a a right-to-work state, but what happens when these models are taking place or being built in places with collective bargaining, where the teachers' union is, is much stronger than it is in Arizona? Rather than hearing from me, let's talk directly with Rob from the AFT. Rob Wow, welcome to the Next Education Workforce podcast. It's so good to have you. I'm glad to be here, Brett. For those that don't know you, Rob, what's your day job? I work at the American Federation of Teachers in Washington, D.C. My official Washington title is Director of Research Policy and Field Services for the Educational Issues Department. That's fancy language for I work a lot of the K-12 issues around those, the policy, the research. But my work does spill over into all the other constituencies at the AFT. The biggest role I'm I'm working on right now is the artificial intelligence in education. I spend a lot of time on that. And that spillage into other parts of the AFT being higher ed, healthcare, PSRP, or public employees, it takes a lot of my time uh, because it is such a hot issue right now. But along with all that, you know, we have all the other issues we're dealing with, with the shortage and all the other issues that are facing, you know, K-12 schools today. Last year, I, I helped lead one of AFT's work on the teacher shortage report that we issued. We put a huge task force together to really dig down on what needs to happen. We issued a report that talks about what needs to happen at all different levels from the federal level all the way down to the state, local, jurisdictional level, and also in the unions, what needs to happen at the union level in order to address the shortage of teachers and paraprofessionals across the country. And, and paras. People don't talk enough about the paras, right? It's like a huge part of our labor force in education. You had this big report. You had this big group. What are a few of the headlines? What's the big message? I think one of the bigger headlines is a lot of people kind of have taken the shortage issue and turned it into you need to pay a more issue. And although compensation is an important part, what our shortage report shows is that compensation alone will not solve the shortage of teachers and paraprofessionals. The working conditions are critically important and are making the job or the profession unsustainable right now. And so what our report talks about is there are things that are difficult to do, but there are some things school districts could do that cost zero money that could help with their teacher retention. I I like zero money. Yeah, well. What's what's on the list? Well, on the list is looking at the paperwork that teachers are required to do there are there is required paperwork but we were kind of surprised I'm going to tell you we we surveyed the the membership which is quite large we were kind of shocked at how high the paperwork was on that list there's required paperwork but many of our members were telling us about this just seems like I'm creating paperwork for other people's work product I'm just giving reports to people and I don't know where it goes it doesn't help me do my job it's just paperwork Another thing that popped up that really isn't 
a money issue is mandates from outside the schools, mandates from legislature, mandates from all these different jurisdictions over schools saying that they're not helpful moving the kids forward. In fact, it's slowing us down a lot of times, these mandates. So if you look at the paperwork and you try to look at how we might be able to limit that a little bit, and there are some examples of school districts have done that, Cleveland being one. And if you look at going around and talking about limiting the outside influence of rule after rule, regulation after regulation, those things necessarily actually would save you time in a lot of cases anyway, and get the teachers back in front of kids, get the teachers back working with children. And that's what we want. I couldn't agree more. One of the things that that is also, I think, uh, splashing around a bit in the news is uh, this notion of strategic school staffing. There's a lot to it when you start to unpack it. It really is about, I think, fundamentally the working conditions. And one of the components of strategic school staffing is is thinking about differentiated educator roles, the idea of moving away from a one teacher, one classroom model to more of a, a team-based approach. What's your take? Uh, any, members saying anything about that? And, and then personally, you know, uh, thoughts and feelings about this new movement? Or maybe it's not even new. I guess you could start there too. When I was teaching, another high school in our district had a team teaching model. It was very successful, very innovative, lots of really good stuff coming out of the high school. And it was ended because of exterior mandates that came in and said, you can't do that anymore. We need to have one teacher, one classroom. And that was unfortunate. One of the things the profession is facing is this isolation. If we really want the profession to be sustainable, we have to stop isolating the people we put into it and start working together and having more of a collaborative approach. Because a collaborative approach is not just collaborative. It's about bringing diverse perspectives and expertise into a classroom. One of the things we talk about all the time is people might say, well, this teacher is might be better at this or has really good instructional strategies on this area or that area. But when we isolate in one teacher, one classroom, that expertise, that perspective isn't shared throughout the school. By doing a more strategic model of staffing, we can leverage those expertise. That just seems logical and what successful organizations do. They leverage the expertise of their employees, their of the their most invaluable asset, their people. And sometimes we don't do that very well in schools. We don't really leverage the the assets of the people. That is absolutely true. And, and that the roles often look monolithic. We've been at this work for several years, uh, you know, first in Arizona and now across the country as part of the Next Education Workforce Initiative at Arizona State University. You're one of the people that took us up on the the offer. You know, we said, hey, Rob, like, come out and see this, like walk the schools, talk to the educators, talk to the students as part of a site visit. You've had a firsthand peek into into what this looks like. You know, as you think about membership and as you think about the future of the education workforce, what gives you hope and what gives you pause from what you saw? I'll start with probably the most obvious thing most people would say. There's a difference between some theoretical paper written, and a lot of those come across my desk all the time about how this is what schools ought to do to improve. You know, my think tank and I put this together and we're really happy about it. As opposed to going to a place, walking into an elementary school or walking into a middle school and seeing it in action. There is a huge difference between the two. The opportunity to come to Arizona and see schools that were doing it is invaluable to understand what's possible and what's not possible and invaluable to talk about the real problems you'll face and the real challenges of the transition. 
I've been in a lot of schools over my time. You can really see when you get into schools how things are moving forward and the real challenges they're faced on. These aren't paper challenges. No, these are challenges real people are having with kids in the classroom and really dealing with. And when you get to sit down with the educators, when you get to sit down with the administration in those schools and talk about what's working, what's not working, that is so valuable. We believe in examples at AFT all the time, making sure that we can show people that it can be done. But we're also realists. We know that no program is perfect. When I came to Arizona, I saw some schools that were struggling with this aspect of it, but the other schools that were s- successful there. What we were seeing in Arizona was not something that schools have been doing for decades. And so there was this learning curve that has to happen. The second part of the question you asked me, Brett, was about what do our members think about that? Most of our members are pretty excited about working with others and collaboration. They're teachers, for God's sakes. They're they're people people. They like to get along with others and work people. And they believe that they can bring increased creativity and improve a classroom culture by having a multiple diverse set of adults in the room. That's critical. Kids change classes in high school and maybe a lot of secondary schools, but that's not the same as creating that classroom culture of success and actually seeing how the adults in the room, the multiple adults in the rooms can work with children and give them the flexibility that they need to really meet those kids where they're at. We just came off of a couple of days of side visits and I was again awash with this feeling of that educators felt trusted, that educators uh, had a level of collective uh, autonomy to be able to make some calls together, more flexibility in time, more flexibility in how they're grouping and regrouping learners. Any of the other concrete pieces uh, of things that you saw on the site visit that that you think would be particularly resonant with uh, the AFT membership? Well, I definitely do. I think that one of the things you kind of hit on, I'll say it a different way than you just did, it's the trusting the professionals in the classroom to make the best decisions in order for the kids. You you know, we can use fancy words like autonomy and those kind of things, but the reality of it is our members want to be trusted. They want to be treated as professionals. They want to say, you have a skill, you have a knowledge, you have a knowledge of your students that need to be brought to bear to help these kids learn. We did see that. We did see the autonomy. We did see the trust that those teams had. Now, it was different in different schools. It was different in different roles those teachers were playing. But that's an important way of moving the profession forward. For the longest time, we said we want the best and brightest to go into teaching. And then as soon as we get into the cl- they get into their classroom, we tell them, don't use your best and brights. Do what we tell you to do. And then people who are the best and bright say, why am I in this job if you don't want me to use my talents? We need to bring that talent back to the classroom, and this is a way to do it, to actually say to you, we believe in you. We believe in your expertise, and working with others, you can leverage everybody else's expertise. This idea of, you know, we're, we're moving away from a, you know, a one teacher, one classroom model to a, a team of educators wrapping around, a, you know, a shared common roster of, of learners and with differentiated roles, leveraging our para educators in different ways. There are some schools that have started to tap into some of the, the expertise in their communities, in their business and industry communities, not to supplant or take the, the role of teachers, but to complement them. And again, we don't have one model. I think that's really important. The model actually reflects the, the context of the school and community in which it's, it's happening. I think it's really powerful. But as I, as I share this across the country, can you guess like the number one question that I often get? 
<laughs> Please, share it. What's the union going to say? Oh, yeah. People say that. They may say that all the time, Rob. <laughs> For the people that ask that question, what would you say to them? Well, I think the first thing is, is that that's always going to be a question because the union has a responsibility to its membership to make sure that they're trying to further the profession and they're making sure that any changes happen are not just changes that are good for teachers, but good for kids and, you know, the school and community they're in. And our members will say, I have seen so many reforms come and go. Is this another one of those fancy dancy things where we get into it and then everybody, you know, 18 months later, we were told to forget it. I think the team teaching, collaborative work in classrooms, moving away from us, one teacher, one classroom model, a little different than the reforms we've seen in the past that are more theoretical. I want to be very clear when people say, well, you know, the what is the union going to say about team teaching? Well, I think we have to remember that there's a lot of team teaching going on in schools right now. Uh, if you're familiar with what goes on in any elementary, middle school or high school right now, many teachers team with special needs teachers, with paraprofessionals in their classroom right now. Those teams, although small and not as formal as what you're talking about, they're critical to the success of kids. Any teacher will tell you their paraprofessional is a critical aspect of the success of their kids. The same thing with the special needs or the other special service providers that come and help kids. These are critical parts of the team. Now, we might not think of it as team teaching, but I can tell you a lot of our members think it more as a team, even though it happens in a single classroom. There's always going to be concerns whenever you do these things, and it's important to that we have to deal with them. But if you work together up front, if you communicate about what you're trying to accomplish and you trust each other as you move forward, those things They'll, there'll be challenges, there'll be hurdles, but hopefully you'll be able to overcome them. Whenever you talk about teaming, you, you got to think about who's compatible with whom and who has skills and you know how the team would be made up and all those kind of things, uh, differentiates uh, expectations and standards and all those kind of things people might bring to the classroom. But that's called human interaction. That's not necessarily called teacher interaction or paraprofessional. That's what happens all the time. A lot of schools already have a sense of this, but it's not as formal as what you guys are doing at, at ASU. But I absolutely believe that the vast majority of our members, when they see it in action, that's the key, will say, yeah, I want to be part of that. I can see how that would work. And I think it how it could work for me as a professional, but also how it would work for my students. When we talk to teachers, one of the things they want the union to do is to make sure that they're successful with their kids. That's why they talk about the things they ask us to leverage is because they want to be successful with their kids. You see that over and over again, and this would be no different. They would say, okay, whatever model you're moving to, show me how that's going to help leverage our resources for kids. And make the job that I'm doing one that I, I love and can be successful in and that is sustainable. This feels like a basic working conditions issue. But I also believe it's bigger than that because one of the things I do want to bring up is that the model I saw when I came to Arizona, it's not a one-size-fits-all model. It's so many different. At the high school, they were talking about career and tech education and how the leveraging into those different programs with community support and community businesses, working with them. And when you have a one teacher, one classroom model, those 
resources, it's difficult to leverage them in every single classroom. There's more of a sense of where you can bring it to a larger group of students than what you could before. The flexibility I saw in the models I saw, because you made a very good point, it's not one size fit all model, because I went to four schools and saw basically four different models of it. That's where when we work with people and people who are really interested in moving the profession and education, teaching, learning forward, I believe the union is right there can work with them. We're going to show that. Obviously, here at AFT, we do not believe collective bargaining is a hurdle to this. We believe it can be a valuable tool to strengthen the commitment, to strengthen whatever model you choose to use. Say a little bit more about that, you know, in terms of how the the contracts and the agreements could help to advance this sort of work, to make the job more sustainable, to, to bring in some of this team, team-based team uh, teaching. I mean, there, there are things that well-earned and hard-fought you know, take, for example, the the idea of a, um, you know, teacher to student ratio. In the teams that we've got, the, you know, the models are flexing and they're changing all the time. Sometimes uh, you, you've got four educators with a group of 110 students. And sometimes it's, you know, one educator working with three kids. And it's just like, it's very dynamic. And, uh, you know, in a one teacher, one classroom model, it's, it's really easy. You're like, oh, it's one to 25. There's 25 kids in a box with one professional teacher. So like these sorts of things, I mean, this is where the devil is in the detail. Any advice that you would give to school systems and teacher leaders that are thinking about this vis-a-vis their contracts and agreements? People will go to class size right away and say the challenge would be overcome the class size limitations. I mean, there are a lot of places in the country that don't have any class size limitations. There are ways to say if it's a ratio of adults to students, not like one to one, and you can work on that as you work through trust. What you said was there will be efficiency of work in this model of a team teacher. There's efficiency in that. You know, when you don't have four people having to make the same repetitive lesson plan in four different classrooms, there's efficiencies there because a lot of times where teachers get concerned is class size is a a protection of working with individual students and they want to make sure they have the time to work with individual students and not all logged down with all the paperwork. And I'll tell you, a lot of our members would love to have that class size of 25 because they're dealing with 30 and 35 in a classroom. But if you did look at teams, there might be ways to really create some efficiencies around the administrative work, you know, paperwork that would actually release teachers to spend more time with individual students. If you were going to give some advice to, say, school systems leaders, teacher leaders, uh, union leaders, to think about creating, uh, one, the trust, and two, the shared agreements and shared vision around something like a strategic school staffing model, what sort of advice would you give to them? Well, the first thing I would say is build trust. And don't think you're building trust when you're in, you know, a heated negotiation cycle. That's not when you should be talking about this because there are so many things that get in the way. This should be something where you're you're talking about, we're talking about strategically shifting some ideas. Let's work together. Let's learn about this stuff. Let's go and see these models in place and see what the potential are. I would never tell our leaders to trust me on this and just take my word for it. I want them to see it. I want them to hear from it. I want them to listen to the teachers who are in it and figure out what it can do. And that's the value of having examples as opposed to somebody's paper. They can see this. And when I talk to the teachers in those schools, you heard people that were talking about their profession on an upward trajectory, not necessarily the other way when I talk to teachers in schools that they're struggling to keep because they feel so isolated. They feel so alone in what they're trying to do. That sense of belonging, not only for 
the kids, but the teachers too, is tremendously important for school success. Hopefully by looking at the models, go see it. It may or may not be for you. And there'll be some places that maybe there's just not that relationship that they can build that right now. But there will be lots of places where that can happen and they just need to see it. Our work at AFT, one of our things we're going to try to do at AFT is try to bring those ready labor management partnerships together to see this and to decide whether they want to participate. There's no big shove. It's a matter of see it, understand it, because I do believe there are some real valuable benefits to looking at a different staffing model than we have in our schools today. I don't think that we could end at a better spot than that, Rob. Thank you for your work, your leadership, your inspiration. Brad, I want to thank you and Carol and all the people at ASU for all the work you guys are doing. It's wonderful. It's helpful by providing real examples, real models that can people can look at. We really thank you for doing that. And I know that I speak for the, the AFT leadership when I say that. It's been a true pleasure, Rob, and I can't wait for the next time we get to spend some more time together. Thank you. That was Rob Wild of the American Federation of Teachers. If you want to learn more about our work around strategic school staffing models, go to workforce.education.asu.edu or check out the show notes for more details. We hope that you'll join us for an upcoming information session or, or hey, even hop on an airplane and come walk the learning spaces and talk to educators and students at an upcoming site visit. We'd love to see you there. For now, thanks for listening. And until next time, be well, be safe, And as always, keep learning.